welcome to Agribusiness Conversations, the podcast with your business in mind. This is Amber Morin, your host. In January 2020, the headlines were the attacks of the U.S. Embassy in Iraq, unrelenting wildfires in Australia, and the presidential impeachment process. The coronavirus was a distant thought, not getting a lot of national attention, even when the first case was detected on January 20th. Wow, how our conversations have changed, and wow, how our lives have changed. My guest, Sarah Bonenkamp, is a business coach, keynote speaker, leader, and trailblazer of epic conversations. She works in industries and organizations, and in the professional and personal lives of many people. She's held the titles of director, chief operating officer, and global communication lead. She's worked in the banking and agriculture industries. She loves horses and is an expert in anti-average leadership, sustainable business, communication, and relationship building. At a time when we are all facing this pandemic, I wondered, what does leadership look like in times like these? So I am excited to have the opportunity to introduce you all to Sarah as I dive into this topic with her. Sarah, thanks so much for what you do and thanks for being on the show. Have I missed anything about you? No, there's so many things there. I'm like listening going, oh my gosh. But no, I think that you nailed it. I'm a mom too. I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So one of the things that I wanted to get started right off the base with was your definition of anti-average leadership and what that is. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? You bet. think that anti-average leadership is all about realizing that status quo and playing in safe zones have no place. It's the recognition that leadership is about your strengths and that my strengths are going to be different than your strengths. And that's a really amazing thing. And as we are searching for how we're going to lead best, we need to surround ourselves with people that aren't like us. And when we do that, we create complementary teams that can go and solve the biggest problems of our time instead of just surviving. You know, mediocrity sucks, right? Because it means that everything kind of looks the same and you're playing in your comfort zone. And I just don't think that's very fun, right? I think that we were born to put on this earth to go and like make some really cool things happen. And a lot of people decided um, early on that that's just not for them. And it makes my heart hurt. And so I want to help people remember that, and we were gifted with strengths and talents and awesomeness that we're supposed to go and really use in service to our communities, our country and our world. Yeah, Sarah, and it's exciting to see our communities come together like never before, but it doesn't change the fact that these are pretty uncertain times and we're all trying to deal with that. Oh, yeah. It's the craziest times that we're going through right now. Like it's, it's hard to even wrap your mind around it. And I don't think anybody predicted it, but we're here. And so I think the question is, what are we going to do, right? We've got choices. We can mm-hmm. choose to sink back or we can step up. Absolutely. So, you know, now that we're sort of living in an era when our personal and professional lives are really overlapping more than I think any of us could have ever expected, 
what does leadership look like in those realms as we're dealing with that overlap? And what awareness do we need to have now that we're sort of dealing with that? Well, wait a minute, I'm at home, I'm working, but I'm also dealing with customers and my children. How do we best manage that in times like these? Wow. I, I think everybody is searching for those answers. And I think it'll be a little bit different for everybody because we all have different circumstances and you know tools at our fingertips. But there are two big things that I think really matter. If we're really going to lead in a beautiful way right now, we have to show empathy. And I think that's true today and in, even in a non-corona-filled world. Because that recognizes that we're all human and that if we are leading with our hearts and recognizing we're all emotional, like as humans, that's Mm -hmm. just how we are, right? There's going to be things that we get excited about or mad about or whatever. It's our job to just recognize that we've got this kind of emotion stuff we have to deal with. And if we don't deal with the emotion and we just try to strong arm our way through it or to say, (laughs) no, we just need to use our logical brains to figure it out, like yeah, that'd be nice, but that doesn't work, right? We've got people who are dealing with fear. We've got people who are dealing with loss. We've got people who are having to be creative when that's not what they want to do, right? And so we've got all of this humanness that we have to address. And empathy doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't mean that I have to agree with somebody or feel the same way. Um, It just means that I have to have at least opened up enough space in our dialogue and in our relationship that I can identify how you feel and why you feel that way. And that I can feed it back to you in a way that you can get it, that I get it, right? And I see that there's so many hard things happening right now with, you know, layoffs, for instance. Nobody wants to have to lay somebody off, but I see people doing it via email or in a two-minute Zoom conversation. And that to me is just lacking empathy, right? That just realness and that we're all in this together. And so empathy is the first part. And then I think the second part, and I struggle with this, oh my gosh, um, is judgment. And I think that we're really quick right now to be in the mindset of, well, I'm right and you're wrong, or this is the way that it needs to be done. And then we start hating and making all these assessments of people and organizations. And there's way more to the story than that we see, right? Things are complex. And so I hope that anti-average leadership looks like not as much judgment as we might want to do, right? And it's easy. Like I called myself the other day. I'm like, I'm Judge Judy or I'm Karen or I'm that lady saying, God, these idiots over here are doing this thing. I'm like, man, that's not leadership, Sarah. That's, that's the easy thing, right? It's really yeah. easy to judge. And so, man, Leadership isn't easy, but we got to force ourselves into, you know, the human side and recognizing that we don't know it all. And how do we stay curious instead of judge? Yeah. And it's so easy to fall into judgment. Um, And I've often told people, we just need a little bit more grace around this situation because we are all doing the best that we can. And like you said, that looks different for all of us. Yeah, definitely. I wish everybody would do it like me, you know, that'd make the world a whole lot easier, but oh, no, 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 no. That, again, that's, that's not complimentary. <sighs> exactly. You know, that communication gap becomes one of those things that's not important if we don't connect. And speaking of connecting, a lot of us are forced to um, connect via social media and virtual platforms. And I'm sort of calling it like the new handshake. So 
Do you have any advice for how people could put their best foot forward online? And then as a follow-up question, do you have some great examples of how people are sort of rising above, still showing up in their community? Well, so, such good questions. Um, I think the first consideration is that not everything is going to translate the same online. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that training is a really great example because there are some folks that think, well, it's just the same content and I'm just going to deliver it now over Zoom versus in a classroom. Um, and so we just have to know right out the gate that, no, it's going to be different. You have different distractions. You have different limitations. Somebody might have dial-up. Rural America, we know the struggle that, you know, internet can play. Um, and that quality of audio and video makes a huge impact in how that message is received on the other side. So we just have to know that it's not the same. And so you can't just um, decide that I'm going to do it exactly the way that I've always done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we have to also give people a lot of credit for their flexibility. And so there have been some calls that I've seen or, you know, experiences where there's just a lot of time that's spent on the logistics and uh-huh. like, here, let me hold your hand all the way through it. And then half the audience is lost because you're having to deal with all of the other stuff. And so I think you have to find the balance, right? You don't want people to be lost, but um, you need to just give them credit. Like they're going to figure it out. And sometimes baptism by fire is the perfect teacher. And so, um, yes. Yeah, you just got to dive in and, and do it. And knowing that it might be a little uncomfortable, but that, that grace word that you just were talking about is that people are super forgiving. Like they don't expect perfection. And so you just need to show up with your best face forward. And I've been seeing so many fun examples of this kind of transition to technology. And, you know, it can be as simple as the silly Zoom backgrounds. Like my husband just got off a call with his team where they all, had to dress up as a Tiger King character. And so he was, <laughs> Jeff, he was Jeff Lowe and I was dying laughing. And, you know, it, it's a, he worked for a huge insurance company, but, you know, very corporate. And I loved seeing that they were open to bringing some humor into their life, right? That we all know yeah. that we're stressed out and dealing with all this crap. And so how can we, you know, at least bring a little bit of humor in and humor is a great healer. And so we can remember those types of things. I also think that if we're going to be online, we have to engage people differently. Like we can't just ask questions. Like I need to ask them to use the comment box, for instance, Mm -hmm. because um, I I might not have time to hear from everybody by asking a question and you want to be, you know, giving everybody the opportunity to engage. But by asking them to use the comment box, you can at least see what they're saying. And if at the very least, at the end of the call, you can look back transcript to see, you know, what's the tone or what were the big questions or what were the things that really stood out. And so there's some tools, you know, annotation tools where you can write on the screen or I love that Zoom just did an update where you can give them a thumbs up or a clap if you like something. They're just really simple things, but I think they make a big difference. Yeah, anything to sort of increase communication, right? Yep, exactly. And there are tons of challenges right now, but I love how creative and really forward thinking everyone is. And there's some awesome unforeseen opportunities that come with challenges and there's great creative solutions. And I'm going to kind of pick your brain a little bit about this and ask, you know, what opportunities do you see for the agriculture industry specifically? There are so many golden opportunities. I think that right now, what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about food. We're talking about 
you know, the relationships that matter most. I, you know, I actually made a post on Facebook the other day. I'm like, I stop posting pictures of your Zooms. I don't want to see that anymore. But at the end of the other end of the spectrum, I'm like, wow, people are talking about cool things and in a greater capacity, I think, than we ever had. And so how do we take mm-hmm. this connection and use it to the best of our ability? Like people are curious about why milk's being dumped. And right? mm-hmm. people are curious about why, you know, they're hearing that there isn't a food supply shortage because farmers and ranchers continue to show up to work and we're doing all of this wonderful essential work. Yet, you know, they're not sure why they're seeing some of the headlines. And so I think the the golden opportunity is to just show up and, and share. I, I love the people I see who are doing virtual farm tours and that are showing what it means to still be ranching and farming. I love the books that are being read in the dairy parlor while, you know, cows are being milked um, so that little kids can get a little bit of an insight, you know, and just be around and see the animals and the machines and, you know, just that we're real people (laughs) that are raising (laughs) food and and fiber. I, I love that. And you know, the, the challenges where we're doing coloring book pages that are ag focused because we know that kids need this, this kind of enrichment and just mm-hmm. the, the ability to say we care. And, you know, I want you to come and see what we're doing. Nobody cared as much as they care right now. So, oh, it's so cool. Yeah, that's sort of been my I, um, insight is people are paying attention So let's, you know, use that and create really valuable conversations around food and agriculture, why it matters and, you know, really why we need to support each other. And communication is just so valuable. So what would be your message to the public right now and and why? I think the message is that we care. That's always been something that I know we, we need to share but then tell them exactly why it is that we care. Why is it that you're continuing to show up and calve in the middle of the night when it's freezing cold? (laughs) Um, Why is it that you do some of the the things that you do so that the care message that hasn't changed? I think the second thing is that they don't need to be uh, afraid of their food. You know, I've seen some really weird headlines about, you know, is, is this linked to eating meat? Uh, just some wacky stuff. And so I think we just need to lead with the fact that we have shared values, right? Mm. And that we want to eat great food. That um, at the end of the day, we do it because we want people to be nourished and we want to nourish our land. Um, so yes, yeah, the people, the planet, process, got to talk about all of that. Um, and we have to do it in a way that doesn't bash the other. And so mm. I can think of, you know, lots of, what not to do, but the, the what to do is just to remember that we are all here to be in service of one another. And it's so cool. And we're, we're thankful that people buy our stuff, quite honestly, and mm-hmm. that people really care. I think that message of gratitude that we're so happy that you want to know more mm-hmm. is really, really critical because I've seen some that are saying, well, it's about time that you figured this out and that you now you finally want to you know know what's going on i think we leave that behind and just really show that gratitude well and that's i've had to catch myself too sarah going oh yeah it's about time you know we're appreciated and then i'm going i don't know that there was ever a time that we were really not appreciated it's just now the conversation is 
a little bit bigger. It hits people's homes when they walk into a grocery store and they see empty shelves. And so to have those conversations be really meaningful right now are, I mean, it's just amazing. So I've had to check myself too. Now, what would you say to somebody who, you know, might be nervous about going online with social media, but they still have a good message? Do you have any encouraging words for them? I think you just have to do it, right? <laughs> I think like the first time you ever drove a tractor, you're probably like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't wreck it. And this is a big expensive machine and there's all these risks involved. But until you just sit in and drive, mm-hmm. you're never going to develop those skills. And so I think you have to just cut yourself some slack. And if you feel so called to, to speak on behalf of you know what you do, then just do it. Because that the intention is what's going to shine through. The people are going to feel your love. They're going to feel your passion. And that is what connects people. Um, I know that there are so many things in communication that talk about, you know, people are going to remember how you made them feel, not so much about the specific things that you've said. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to remember that. Like you, if you're leading with your heart, you're going to be fine. And if you screw up and you say something wrong, like people will forgive you. <laughs> and, and yeah. So what I'm hearing is don't take yourself so seriously that you don't um, share a good message, right? Yeah. And you're never going to be like Sally on the news who has, you know, the teleprompter in front of her that never, you know, misses a beat. Like that's what she does for a living. And like, you're be real. Realness is the, <laughs> the key, right? So you're known, and I do love this, um, for using the line of change starts with epic conversations. So what epic conversations do you think that the agriculture industry could be having with consumers right now? Sort of calm their fears and build relationships around those conversations. Because my hope is, is that we walk away from this situation with more allies and more friends in the agriculture industry than we ever have before, just because people are paying attention. Exactly. I think the epic conversation is that the food that we grow, no matter if it's organic or GMO or uh, grass finished or grain finished, like it's all so, so good. Mm-hmm. And we, again, kind of going back to that, we're all in this together, like these communities that, you know, feel good about eating food, period. We're not, you know, people sometimes say that these farmers and ranchers are trying to kill me. It's like, no, 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 no. Like that's not, and we know that, but how do we really express that? And the epic part of that or the courageous part of that is being willing to say it, right? And not have to back down from that. I think that sometimes um, in conversations, we're like, we got to go and fight. We got to fight this thing. It's like, no, actually we don't have to fight. What we have to do is lead. And how we lead is to be loud and proud about what it is that we know and what we know is that we've got the safest, most nutritious food supply in the freaking world. And that is something to really be excited about and never to shy or back down from. We take the best care of our animals. And so, you know, if we're going to really be epic, we have to be willing to talk about things like branding and castration. I don't think that we need to lead with that and say, hey, do y'all want to come and talk about branding? But if somebody has a question, <laughs> about yeah. that. And they're like, Hey, I don't know. Why do you hurt those animals like that? Why do you burn their skin? Like, man, I'm so glad that you asked. And so let's go ahead and dive right in. Not well, let's actually talk about something else, right? Because we're wonderful at sidestepping things that make us feel uncomfortable. 
So I think you just have to be willing to listen to what is it that the people want to talk about, ask some really great questions, lead with that curiosity, and then go, go there. And right now, with the way the markets are, and again, with some empty shelves and, you know, people saying, well, where can I go buy this stuff? We have to let people know that in our supply chains are strong and Mm -hmm. they don't have to worry. They will have food for their babies. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that really opens the doors for communication and people are willing to listen right now. And so you brought up a great point about not sidestepping uncomfortable conversations. Do you have any points of advice just for people that might be afraid to answer some of those questions, you know, like you said about branding or antibiotics or how can we get over some of these fears that we have as producers when engaging some of these conversations? And I know you said trial by fire. So I'm (laughs) kind of curious what your your response will be. Well, I think uh, using antibiotics is a really great example of one of those hard conversations. And Mm -hmm. so I think that you have to first, you know, that it's going to come up. Mm -hmm. And so at least have a couple of ideas about what you're going to say, right? Because until you've been asked the question, sometimes like you're like, (laughs) I don't know what I would say, like, well, it's good. And like, well, but, but, but why? And so what are those little key things that you want to make sure to articulate? And I think that writing them out helps you to really understand what it is that you actually believe. And Mm -hmm. so I would do a little bit of legwork on those conversations that you know are going to be a little tricky for you so that you at least have, you know, some kind of muscle memory of, oh yeah, these are the things that really do matter to me. And the story that I can talk about that goes with it, because the facts really don't matter to people who have questions of antibiotics, you know, Mm -hmm. like the withdrawal, you know, we make sure that we've got this timeline and this book we recorded in, and then the USDA tests for residue (laughs) and blah, 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 blah. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care. But if you can talk to me about a story, that is going to make all of the difference. And so have that story in your back pocket of that calf that had pink eye or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the scour situation, (laughs) why you needed to treat them a little bit differently than the rest of the herd or, you know, whatever the situation is so that they can understand, you know, the the care aspect. So I think that you have that knowledge up front. And then the second thing I'll add Mm-hmm. that when you get asked those tough questions, you have to take a breath and then move into empathy. So I talked about that in the very beginning, right? We have to be able to identify the emotion that the yeah. person's having and the reason. And when you move into an empathic listening response of, oh, it sounds like you have some concerns around how antibiotics are used, right? Giving that kind of a simple reflection back. It not only makes that person feel good because you've recognized, yeah, that's right. I've got some concerns, you son of a buck. <laughs> also, as you're, as you're formulating that, it gives you a little bit of time to kind of sort out what you want to say after that too. And so you don't have to just immediately react. Like we get that, that question and we have that knee-jerk reaction that we want to move into oftentimes. And so that empathy gives us a little bit of psychological air that can really feel good. <laughs> And then you can, you know, move with a little bit more confidence because you're just not in that kind of ah, fight mode. Yeah, escaping that fight mode to be able to calm down and connect, I think, makes it easier. I get what you're saying. So, you know, our whole conversation has evolved around communication and relationships, but I know that relationships are really important to you. And 
and not just in our personal lives, but also in our professional lives. So why do you value relationships and what are some great examples of actions that you've seen to help strengthen relationships, whether it's producer and consumer or family, sort of across the board with the times that we're living in? Right. I think that what are we if we don't have relationships? Mm-hmm. Right. We, I, I said it once and I'll say it again, we were built to be in community with one another. Right. If we want to have sustainable, you know, life in this mm-hmm. world, we are never going to be able to go at it alone. And I think about myself growing up and I was um, a horse crazy girl from day one. But I grew up in a family where um, nobody else was into horses. And they were like, uh, why don't you want to be a dancer instead? Because that's easy and I can just drop you off and have some, you know, ballet slippers and a couple of outfits and you'll be good to go. And I don't have to haul this horse around or figure out hay and like all of this <laughs> stuff. And so I had to, if I wanted to be able to, you know, live my passion, I relied on relationship, relationships with my 4-H leader, relationships with the people who could um, come and pick my horse up and take me to a lesson, um, you know. The, the people who taught me how to be a rodeo queen, you know, we all are going to learn through other people, right? We're going to get the resources and tools that we need through other people. Our ability to have these strong relationships is mm-hmm. going to make or break our society, quite honestly. And what was the second part of your question? <laughs> I got super excited about that. <laughs> No, I love it. Um, I was just curious, what are some recent examples of actions that you have seen or really been like, yeah, that was awesome, that have helped strengthen relationships? The ones that really stand out to me are relationships with people who aren't like me, right? So I love seeing like on Instagram or even on TikTok, like I've been a recent addict of TikTok. And, you know, you get to do a duet with somebody on your video, right? And you're seeing somebody from, you know, maybe the inner city that is engaging now with a farmer or rancher or, you know, somebody riding their horse and they're having a a dialogue or they're having a reaction to the, the stuff that was put out there. And then as a result, then they start having some DM conversations, right? We're like, hey, I was curious. Tell me some more about this. And then you, you realize, man, there was some cool friendships that were now spurred as a result of, you know, just having to run and run across your stuff online, right? And because it was um, curious to me and I wanted to find a way to, you know, engage. And so I'm, I love those relationships that you wouldn't have even thought about. I see that, you know, businesses are pivoting in ways that they never had. And they're having now, um, I had my groceries delivered the other day and it was um, from Walmart. And the the person who delivered my groceries was actually through DoorDash. And I was like, well, that was weird. I thought that they would have their Walmart people. And, you know, it was, it doesn't even have anything to do with agriculture, but I just love seeing these, you know, new pairings and new ways of being. So it all started though with a conversation between somebody and that relationship and that having, you know, the faith that if we try this, it could work out. So mm-hmm. there's tons of them. It's interesting to see all of the relationships that are happening and being connected virtually is, has never been more important than now. And so I often tell people like, man, I am glad that this pandemic hit when we can at least all still stay connected. That brings me to sort of another question with you is, why is this crisis a pivotal time to build new relationships? 
Well, I think that with people, slow is fast and fast is slow. And it also works with horses too, right? But with being at home, we've been forced to slow down a little bit or a whole lot for some things because we've been living in a fast-paced society, right? Where it was just go, 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 go and travel, travel, travel and do all these things. And so since with people, things can slow down, I think that we're now being able to open up space to have new thoughts and new ideas and to consider alternative ways of being. And so I love that it's forced us to slow down. And I hosted a leadership circle yesterday and I was asking people what they've learned about themselves over the past couple of weeks. Time and time again, people were saying, it really forced me to remember what really matters most. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't finding the time to have Google Hangouts or Zooms with my family or my friends. I wasn't sending text messages that said, hey, I'm thinking about you and I love you because it was just one of those nice to haves, but I didn't have to do it. But now I'm really recognizing the value and how we need each other and that, you know, our organizations don't love us as much as we thought in some instances, right? Or my job wasn't that important, that it was those people that are going to get us through. So I love that, you know, that this slowdown is helping us to remember that humanity, right? And that relationships Mm -hmm. take that investment, they take that time. And if you really want them to grow, they have to pour into them. And so that is so, so beautiful. And Since we can't go and do business and have that freedom to operate how we want to, it's forcing us to to think of that new way of doing the quote, necessity's the greatest father of invention or something like that. (laughs) Right. And so we are inventing things that like we desperately need, right? I think that we desperately needed to find a way to eliminate commutes for so many people, right? One person told me yesterday, she's like, man, I've got two hours extra every day because I'm not in the car. And I'm able now to pour so much more into what I really want to be doing. And I think that goes right back to anti-average leadership is if I'm really going to be an anti-average leader, I'm going to be doing the things that I really want to be doing. I'm going to be tapping into my strengths and my talents. And the outcome of that is Mm -hmm. going to be great. I don't even need to know what the outcome is right now. I just need to know that those golden opportunities, those golden outcomes are, they're coming and they're going to come freaking fast. And it's good because we're never going to go back to normal. Normal is different now, right? Amen. So now I am very, very curious. Since you sort of asked individuals in the leadership session, you know, what have they learned most about themselves? Do you mind if I ask that question to you? Oh, yes. And it's what led me to talk about judgment, because I've noticed how, how fast I am to judge, right? I'm judging everybody on Twitter who, you know, wants to talk about politics and where the virus came from, or we need to do this. And, you know, this is going to help the economy. And I'm like, you know, well, if I don't agree with you, then I'm going to just be a judgy judge. And so I've definitely noticed that I'm, I'm way worse at that than I thought. And I think that's good. You have to know what you're great at, but I also believe you have to know what you're not. Then again, you have a choice of what you're going to do with it. And so um, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that I have re-grounded in the power of going outside and mm. being in nature and like being in the barn. I told my husband um, the other day, I'm like, I need to get out of the house without any children and I'm going to the barn. <laughs> 
and I'm going to be gone for a couple of hours and don't call me, don't do anything. I just need to go. And so it was beautiful to be in the barn and to have that opportunity to connect with nature because I had so much you know, clarity and things that came. But mm-hmm. the other outcome of that is that I needed to make really clear requests of my yeah. people of what it is that I need because mm-hmm. they, I make so many assumptions that they should just get it. Right. And, and especially my husband, right. Because he should be you know, the one that knows me the best <laughs> and, you know, he should be able to read my mind or whatever. I was like, no dummy, like nobody gets you and unless it's you. And so don't make those stupid assumptions. Um, don't be the judge, get outside, ask for it when you need it. And yeah. So all sorts of fun things I'm learning. Some of them <laughs> fabulous, some of them not so fabulous. Oh, I think we're all in that boat. It's, it's all right. So, you know, as we're looking at this pandemic, what do you think that we can all learn? I think that it's time to transmute, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's really taught me that, um, again, you can have the idea that things have to shift, right? The, the cattle market, for instance, they've had to shift for a long thinking time, right? Yeah. This has just exasperated the mm-hmm. whole situation. And mm-hmm. so um, it's time to shed the old skin. Right. And you don't have to do it all of the sudden. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, today I have the idea and then tomorrow I'm going to figure it all out. It's, you know, it can go little by little. And that all of the people, all of the different types of talents and abilities that we have (laughs) that are showing up in the world, that we all bring value. Right. And that um, all of us have different truths. And that's really powerful. And so we need to accept those powers. And uh, um, if we're going to, if we're really going to move through this, it's going to be connections that's going to move us through. And we need, it takes all kinds of kinds. That's what I'm feeling right now. Um, that we also too need to, to be patient. Like there's some people that are out there saying, you need to come out of this with a new skill. You need to know a new language. You need to be stronger and fitter than you've ever been. And, you know, drive, 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 drive. And for some people, that's the answer. And mm-hmm. at some degree, I think that like you have to be doing something, right? Um, right? And then there are others that are like, no, like this is hard. And if you're not feeling any motivation, it's not because you're lazy. It's because you're grieving. It's because this is hard and all of these things. And mm-hmm. so um, I think that we just have to, again, trust and have faith that what's on our hearts and our minds is what's meant for us. So that kind of leads me to the last question of the podcast today. What is the most important takeaway that you hope the audience walks away from our conversation with? I think it is empathy. And I begin with that and I want to end with that because that helps us lead with love. That helps us when I can be again, recognizing the emotion in somebody else, then I hope that that opens up some space so that they can also feel the same for me. And if we can, you know, be that vulnerable with people and truly talk about the things that matter most, that that's what changes things, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to lead with the faith versus the fear, Mm -hmm. all of the difference. As you were answering that question, the thought crossed my mind, you know, how fearful these times really are for consumers. And so I, I don't know if you've talked to anyone specifically that's not related into agriculture recently, but have you um, touched base on any of their fears? Have they been open with you? Yeah, I talk with um, 
I get to talk with everybody about food and beef because that's when you get to have a conversation with me, then that's just one of those things that you know is going to happen. And um, I have a lot of people asking me if I know anybody that has beef, right? Like who should I know that I need to buy my beef from? Because they're fearful that, you know, supply chains, they're seeing the headlines of packing plants being shut down and who's going to be there to, you know, process things. And so they definitely have that kind of, what's going to happen? And I want to make sure I've got a plan B. Mm -hmm. And that's surprising to me. I also have a lot of people coming to me with questions about how to eat different cuts because they were the (laughs) only thing that was available. They're like, what am I supposed to do with this chuck shoulder? Like, I I don't know even what it is. (laughs) So um, that's been cool. And I also, on the flip side, I've had people reaching out saying, oh my gosh, I made this most amazing, you know, roast or um, somebody was talking about some lentil stew that had some, you know, chicken in it with curry and they, they, it was just cool. And so uh-huh. like people are impressing themselves with their culinary skills because they're, you'll be forced to do that. But I think that the biggest question that they have is, you know, why are we hearing all of this kind of weird stuff and why aren't the farmers getting paid, right? Like they should. And I think there's a worry about mental health for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're worried about it for our kids and ourselves and our, you know, healthcare workers. And but I think that there's just this big kind of heart that's coming out saying, you know, what can we do to help? And people are recognizing the value and, you know, if it's broken, that there are going to be some big consequences. And so that just makes my heart feel so good to know yeah. that they're noticing and they're wanting to lean in. So, and I want to stress how important it is, as we're putting messages out that we're not saying, finally, they get it or those idiots. I saw something yesterday that really um, caught my attention because it was an open letter that had been written from a farmer and it was, dear small-minded Americans. And then it went on to say, you know, we're here, we're going to continue to show up for you. And, you know, the message after that was really, really great. But that dear small-minded American part really caught me off guard. And I was having a conversation on a a happy hour on Zoom where Mm -hmm. somebody saw that and they asked me about it. And they said, you know, it really feels terrible to know that that's how people think about me as Mm -hmm. a consumer. And so I'm having some conversations like that. It's like, yeah, that's not what they meant. You know, their, their heart is really in the right place because they've been beat up for a long, long time. So I just think we have to remember, you know, both sides to be open and to, to lead with that shared value and don't judge so dang hard and life will be good. That's a great example, Sarah. And thanks for sharing. I'm super excited and grateful that you've been on the show, but how do people reach you? Well, I love everything social media. So I'm on all of the platforms and you can just search my name. And my website is sarahjboningcamp.com and follow me there. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. It's been so fun. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks so much for asking. It means uh, a whole, whole lot that you would even care to ask. So appreciate you. All right, everyone, that wraps up this episode of Agribusiness Conversations. Please remember that you can find us on Apple Podcasts or podbean.com. Reach out if you have any questions or suggestions. You can always email me at ambermorin at agribusinessconversations.com.